I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 300 of the Mars Attacks podcast. And for the last time on the Mars Attacks podcast, I'm your host, Victor. <laughs> I will continue to be Victor after episode 300. But yeah, so uh, end of the line for Mars Attacks. For those wondering what, uh, what is next, listen to the entire episode all the way at the end. I will fill you guys in as to what is taking place. My patrons have known for quite some time, for about a month or two at this point. But yeah, this is episode 300. But uh, all in all, I've tallied up all the various podcast episodes that I've done going back 13 years. Starting off with Fusion Sonica podcast, Fusion Sonica radio. Fusion Sonica version two. There was Galaxy of Geeks. Uh, there was a Mars Attacks Radio, Mars Attacks Radio version two. There was No Metal Cred. There was the Rock and Pod 2018 VIP podcast. There was the Mark Striegel recap show, the Incoherent Ramblings of Victor M. Ruiz, the Victor M. Ruiz podcast version two. Version three of that is now going strong. On uh, Patreon, 81 episodes deep on that. The Mark Striegel podcast, 151 episodes of that. And uh, two years of talking metal, then guesting on uh, various other shows between... Um, uh, I did uh, uh, Metal Geeks. I did Aftershocks. I did... Um, was it Aftershocks or was it... Uh, shockwave skull sessions I forget anyway it was one of those um, and I apologize to the hosts of all of those shows for, for mixing that up as I'm doing this off the cuff there was uh, the cast iron ring episodes when I was part of that network uh, there was um, classic metal show and there's uh, Despo Geek so over a thousand episodes, if you combine every single thing that I've done. So yeah, 300 of this, but plenty more of the rest. I mean, my tally is 980 without counting those guest spots. One-on-one -on -one with Mitch LaFon is another one that I guessed it on once. And uh, if I'm forgetting your podcast, I apologize. But yeah, I did two years of Talking Metal as well, and we did Friday Night Live, which was a live stream on Live 365. And so you add all that stuff up, you get over a thousand episodes. Because I, again, I counted 980, and with the Talking Metal stuff, with, which I don't have an exact count of, I did more than 20 episodes. So anyway, thank you. To anyone who was listening to this, anyone who's listened along the way. And um, yeah, it's kind of sad that the Mars Attacks name will now be retired 
after 13 years, um, I will continue to do my Patreon stuff. So if you enjoy what I do here, while everything else kind of sorts its way out, I will be on Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash signals from Mars.com. And I do want to send a quick shout out to all of my patrons as a thank you to everyone that, um, that backs me there. Uh, you guys are paying my taxes <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see here. We're going to go in alphabetical order here. Uh, first up, we have Mr. Anthony Mackey, who is a guest on today's show. We have Mr. Yarg Metal, Dr. Poison, Brad Dahl. From the Chris and Amanda show, Chris Vaglio, Ed the Shred Ferguson. The Metal Dentist, Gabriel Ruiz. We have Gene Eugene DX up there in Canada. In the UK, we have Jeremy Weltman. Mr. Patrons pick himself. Up in Sweden, currently the metal politician, at least the metal campaigner, Johan. We have Jose in Connecticut. We have Metal Dan, who's been on vacation. We have our Mike Jones. We have Twisted Steve Hoker, the Hoganator. And bringing up the rear, we have Steven Saylor. Thank you, all of you, for being patrons. I appreciate your support. Anyway, let's get on with the episode, with episode 300 once again. It is Anthony Mackey for the first hour or so, a little under an hour because he joins a few minutes in. And then um, we have Josh Toomey in hour number two. And if you want to, if you want to just check out, if you want to be spoiled, you could always just fast forward to the end. The last few minutes is me giving you guys the 411, the information as to what's going down with me personally next when it comes to podcasting. So that's all. Hope you guys enjoyed tonight's discussion. It was a lot of fun for me. It was nerve-wracking to figure out what I was going to do. Glad that it turned out the way that it did. Hope you guys enjoyed as well. And that is it, folks. We'll see you. See you around. We'll see you at the end of the show. How about that? Welcome one and all to the Friday, September 2nd, although it says Friday, September 9th edition of the Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by VMR IT. And for the very last time, Mars Attacks podcast, what we are recording now will become episode 300 of the Mars Attacks podcast, and it will be the final episode of Mars Attacks. So after 13 years, we bring Mars Attacks to a close. Um, I didn't think of it. You know, there's uh, it's Labor Day weekend and not a lot of people are around. I was expecting to have some more patrons here, but uh, unfortunately we don't. So I will fill this first hour the best that I can. And then for hour number two, I will have Mr. Joshua Toomey of the Talk To Me podcast and 
of Notfest. So I hope you guys are having a great start to your Labor Day weekend. If you are in the U.S., if you are over in Europe like myself, it is late Friday night. Or if you're in the U.K., still late Friday night, 10 p.m. for you. So hopefully all of you guys are having a, a great, great weekend. So anyway, as customary, I want to talk about new releases right off the bat on MarsAttacksRadio.com. We feature the new release by Megadeth, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. Just released today. And uh, yeah, that's what I chose to do my kind of mini review on was this album. And yeah, I enjoy it. I mean, to me, it's a continuation of dystopia, probably turning things up a notch. And I think maybe that has a lot to do with Kiko being more involved in the songwriting process. Dirk as well. Uh, Kiko has written eight songs overall. And um, he wrote two on the last one. So um, that, that could be why. But uh, also the pandemic. They started recording this album in 2019. So it's taken them several years to record it as opposed to Dystopia only taking four months to record. So a uh, quick shout out there to Rob Rowe uh, in the chat. It was good to uh, talk to you earlier this week. Saying that it's a bummer with regards to, uh, I guess, um, what I mentioned about Mars Attacks. Chris Sinzak mentioning uh, getting ready to head out for some local live music. I wanted to wish you well on your final show. Thanks for all the great shows, advice, and more importantly, friendship. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Mr. Sinzak. So uh, one of the uh, few people that I've constantly been in contact with in these last 13 years. So um, anyway, we'll get to... Uh, Wrap up the new releases here is interesting statistics that I started tallying up. Uh, this this is this will end up being Mars Attacks episode 300, but I've tallied up all the episodes of every podcast that I've produced or talking metals that I've been part of or Mark Striegel podcast and interesting numbers came up. I was selling my myself way short, but anyway. Um, so yeah, Chris, anyway, thank you. Thank you for, and I, you know, right back at you with everything you mentioned. Anyway, if you want to check out the album, there's links to, uh, Spotify and Apple music here to check them out. And, uh, other new releases that came out today, King's X, Blind Guardian, Youngblood, Miss May I, Hawkwind, Mike Tramp, The Who, <laughs> the Mongolian, The Who. H-U, not W-H-O. King Buffalo, Trial Out of Sweden, Dim Gray, Defacing God, The Callous, Doughboys, Zeta, CF-98, Ocean's 8, Alaska, Sunflower, Vermin Womb, 
And EPs. Silurian. Uh, Spirit in the Room. And Two Mums. And let's see, reissues by Epica. Aggression. And let's see, a live album by Epica as well. And Steve Hackett. Genesis Revisited Live. We know that he's most known for Genesis, but does every release of his have to be related to Genesis? (laughs) All right. So uh, Chris here is saying, uh, love King's X, but have not liked what I've heard from the new album, plus that title, LOL. Okay. Well, actually... The the resident um, King's X fan here, <laughs> Anthony Mackey, has just joined us. Anthony, how's your audio today? Uh, pretty good, I think. Yeah, I can hear I don't you. Know. Can you hear that? Yeah. Um. So so, what do you think of the um, new King's X? Have you heard it? I have. I've heard it twice. Um, yeah, I like it. You do like it. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, obviously there's a three songs of it that I've heard more than twice. Okay. And um, I like them more every time I hear them. Okay. The the album is very mellow, though, from, from beginning to end. I wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that? Okay. Well, I've, I've no. listened to it twice myself. I thought it was on the mellow side, but I'm not a huge King's X fan. The, the only album that I really listened to of theirs... I wouldn't say on a consistent basis, but somewhat frequently is Dogman. Uh, oh yeah, that that to me is again one of my favorite albums to come out in the '90s. But also, yeah. I think it's a, it's a great album beginning to end. Uh, it's I don't know. You tell me. Is it the heaviest thing they've done? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. Dogman is amazing. There's no question about it. Uh, and this new one is it's it's as heavy as like Fatal Glove or or, or something like that, you know. It's it's got its light acoustic mellow moments, which they always do. Mm-hmm. But apart from Dogman, that's pretty much heavy start to finish. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's classic King's X like. Even even the first the first song they put out, Let It Rain, I'm still hearing things in it. Like they have said in interviews leading up to this that it was gonna be one of those albums that you can hear listen to again and again and again and hear things. And even just the two times I've listened to it, I'm like, Yeah, I know what they mean. I'm hearing little things happening here or there and I'm, Things that you think you hear the first time aren't really what you hear. Um, great production on it. Cool. Um, that's why I honestly wanted to talk to you about this because I know that you mentioned that it was one of your uh, favorite bands and you were obviously waiting for this album to come. Oh, yeah. Your, yeah. I mean, it's been what, more than a decade since the last album? 14 years, I think. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And the last album, uh, 15, is okay. Not great. I 
can't really remember much from it at the moment. Like, <laughs> the, like the two sort of comeback albums, if right. you want to call them that, that they did, Overtones and that, they're okay. They're, but this is way better. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, send a quick hello out to uh, to my brother, and I'm assuming my nephews that are in the chat uh, at the moment. Hope you guys are having a, a great start to your weekend. And um, one of the things that I'm, I'm glad that you joined us because all week I've also been thinking about how during our 1983 discussion, we talked about the fact how radio and TV in the States was totally different to what you were accustomed to in Ireland. Um, For you growing up to listen to hard rock or metal on the radio or seeing acts on top of the pops or anything like that, what did you have to do? Uh, Well, you listen to the Friday rock show on BBC one. Okay. Uh, but to get that was difficult. You know, you had to run a wire, an an aerial from your stereo out the window and constantly move it, you know, so, but then that that did improve, but that's why I just think you remember doing that. Um, and well, actually, now that I think of it, there was a small pirate radio station that used to have a rock show or a metal show. Right. Um, it was actually four day, four days a week. I think it was three, two hours, Monday to Thursday. But that was based in Dublin, and it, it was a similar situation with the with the wires. And, right. But we did listen to that, and and then it was. You bought Kerrang! and you read it from cover to cover. Right. <laughs> and just then just went, ordered things from the record shop, or went into Dublin where there was a, you know, a specialist metal shop. It's still, it's still there. Right. And you would just go in there and just buy whatever you saw <laughs> or, or you had read about in, in that week's Kerrang! Right. How, um, how how can I put this? How good was Kerrang as a source? I mean, how how many things? Because I didn't get Kerrang until the nineties. I remember buying Sepultura's Roots at the Virgin Megastore in New York, which no longer exists it's in Times Square. And I remember seeing Kerrang. Obviously, coming to Spain, I don't remember if there was Kerrang then. There was. It was probably Metal Hammer. It was Metal Hammer. There was uh, offshoots of Metal Hammer from the same publication. I'd heard of Kerrang, but I don't remember if I ever picked any Kerrangs up then. I remember in the 90s, every time I went to New York, I would get them. But the landscape had changed by then because it, it yeah. wasn't purely hard rock and metal. Obviously, there was alternative music in there. Yeah, yeah. But how many times after reading Kerrang, did you feel like, ah, you know, I picked this up and this really wasn't what I thought it was going to be? Did, did that ever happen to you or were they pretty faithful to what you wanted? Crying was, uh, you would you would read it and 
you would do certain bands that you knew and you would get used to what the writers were into and you knew that a certain writer recommended something that you knew kind of what it was like right and i don't remember any really any sort of mistakes if you want to call it that like um right no i don't really remember anything like that um maybe rogue mail might be a bit of a <laughs> they were they were recommended by crying i bought their stuff i did like it but it's listen to it now it's not great but right right no but then this is back in the 80s where i remember having the opinion where if it had loud guitars <laughs> and i heard it that meant i liked it right. <laughs> you know what i mean like I, my uh, critical thinking was very minimal. So right. it, it was like if I, I read about a band, and then it'd be like, okay, all I have to do to like this band is to hear them. Right. <laughs> um, so I was, you know, I was kind of like I liked everything, everything I heard. Right. Yeah. For me, I I still remember to this day. I think it was Metal Hammer was over here and they recommended a um it was a foreigner album and it was the first album without Lou Graham unusual heat it's called I don't even remember the name of the lead singer um but they had said oh it's back to their 70s roots and hard rock and and this and that and I'm like oh okay you know I like 70s foreigner you know I'll, I'll give it a shot and of course CDs were relatively new so they were very expensive. I mean, I was yeah. paying what? 30, 40 euros, the equivalent of that for one CD. And I remember bringing it home and I'm like, this is absolute shit. This is them trying to do Bon Jovi. I'm like, what are you kidding? What, what's, what out of this is 70s hard rock? You know, it was the farthest thing that I could think of from it. But. I remember yeah. being so annoyed. <laughs> That's funny. But I remember when it, it was crying and crying only for uh, somebody coming in uh, uh, from, you know, early 80s. Right. But then I remember when Metal Hammer started being available here. Mm -hmm. And it was not reliable. There would be, um, you'd, there'd be facts in it that... Oh, yeah. that were wrong. Like, we would know this, like, that. this is not right. And there would be uh, logos that were not right. And so it, it was a bit of a joke to begin with. But I think that it was a German magazine that was yeah, yeah, yeah. translated into English. And so maybe that was the problem. But, um, yeah, so we didn't take Metal Hammer seriously at all, really. But it... The funny thing is, these days, you have met by Metal Hammer, it's all old Kerrang writers, and it's actually very good now. Right. Yeah, that, that's interesting because I look at, um trying to think of what other English publication I used to look at. Um, but it's it's similar to Kerrang now, where it's it's really a lot more focused on and I get it. They need to sell issues at the end of the day. So they're, they're not going to be writing about Halloween per se. 
every article. No, like you, if if you want that, you've got classic rock. Like there's right. right. There's a million like like I often I hear people giving out all oh, Kerrang's not what it used to be. Right. I think that's bullshit. I think Kerrang is now exactly what it used to be. Right. Do you it, know what I mean? It's just a different different groups. Right. Different it, music, different bands. Yeah, it's got to change. They change with the with the times and with the different movements and waves that have come along. And they've still, I mean, let's be honest. They're they're not uh, writing up articles on uh, Rihanna and and Britney Spears. It's still within rock music. It's still rock, yeah. yeah like, but they will put like Twenty One Pilots on the cover or something like that, you know. But it's okay. It's not like they're putting Rush on the cover, but that's what. <laughs> Well, yeah, classic rock is for yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so then for you, because I had a similar situation, I bring up the um, uh, WSOU, which is a college station in New Jersey, which helped me discover a lot of bands. Um, with Decibel Geek, for example, they just played a um, a demo of a Judas Priest song which uh which racer x ended up recording and i remember hearing that in the car and in the car we could pick the station up perfectly but at home where we lived it was on the side of a hill so you couldn't get the station really good i mean if it was rainy out and the clouds were low it came in perfectly but if not you know you really had to play with the dial to to get it in and that was the kind of a thing where we would, I remember my brother's stereo could pick it up, but mine couldn't. It was one of those things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was an adventure trying to, trying to listen to Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So it was one of these things where um, you'd sit around and you know they're going to play the song, but you don't know when. So you'd sit in front of the stereo for a few hours and the cassette deck was was on record but with pause just in case if oh yeah oh yeah 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 you know and you and you just record it when i moved later on um it uh it was funny because when i would go home i'd get to a certain part of the of my way home and then another station would bleed in and it was a country station it was heartbreak it was like all right so i'm finally getting from from a station that I love to, to this, uh, to country. Um, but yeah, to me, that's, that's always, uh, fascinating because for me, an outlet like WSOU, I remember working my first job and I was, I would sweep up at a construction site and where the, um, where the guys that tested the soil were at, they had a, um, a radio and I would, I would put the station on and I discovered bands like system of a down and fear factory and a lot of bands in the nineties, thanks to them. And it's funny because a lot of these acts, specifically those two, I remember hearing them for the first time and thinking, no, this is totally wrong. What is this? You know, I, I wasn't used to the heaviness or, or that type of vocals or but it was one of those things where, okay, the second time I heard it, it was like, okay, let me digest this and see if I get it, if I understand it. And then after yeah. that, it's like you're sold on the band. You're like, all right, I, I want more by them. Um, it's like the first time I heard System of a Down, you know, they, 
it was kind of a, it, it was funny. Right. It was like this is crazy music, but you know, <laughs> sometimes when something is 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 new, like, that's what you think. Right. Uh, yeah, like toxicity. Uh, I just think you remember hearing it the first time and going, "This is so mad! I've got to listen to it again and again and again." Right. The first thing for me by them was Sugar. It was a song off of yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the first yeah. album. So just imagine that because that to me, I'm like, what is the circus music? I'm like, oh, what's yeah. going on here? And then I finally started to appreciate it and I, and I got it. So, I mean, I, I owe a lot to that station and Eddie Trunk, actually, I mentioned this last week, you know, as, as a young teen would stay up and listen to him uh, because he would come on just for five minutes and give you the metal news. Obviously, we're talking about magazines. Magazines were how many months behind in the news? You know, two, three months. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to hear somebody reading, you know, just saying, oh, you know, I spoke to so-and-so this week and, you know, they're putting out an album next week. Oh, my God. You know, Iron Maiden is coming out with a new album next week, you know, or Ozzy or, you know, because there was I had never heard anything like that. Before it, it was it was amazing to me to the point where the original host of that show would make fun of Eddie all the time. Uh, she would say, uh, she would say, "Oh yeah, the uh, the young donut boy is at the Dunkin' Donuts down the street. He's going to give us the metal news in about five minutes." And a year later, yeah. she was the host and she was gone. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It was one of those. Uh, things. It's funny to bring it back to King's X, like that radio show I was telling you about that was on this independent station we used to mm-hmm. like that went for I, well I, I certainly remember hearing about Cliff Burton's death on that station so okay. and uh, so it was def- definitely going there and going for it probably started in about 85 and uh, went to about 89 so as it was finishing up that's I remember hearing King for the used to play King uh, King's X, mm-hmm. and it was like that. This it sounded totally different from everything else that was being played. Right. Yeah. You know, this was a, this was a show that used to play like Crimson Glory and stuff like that, and then then you got <laughs> King's X, and they just sounded it just sounded totally fresh, and that's where I heard them for the first time, and you know, still buying their stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which Eddie Trunk actually signed them to Megaforce. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I re- I remember that as well because obviously he still does that now, where he talks up all the bands that he's been involved in over the years. And similar to what you're saying at the time, he talked them up all the time to the point that um, MTV used to have a show called Dial MTV, where people. I mean, I don't know if it was rigged or not. Who knows? Um, oh, people used to request. Right, right, right. The request, which, you know, you find out years later was actually the intern in the back calling up and saying, hey, can you call, can you play sure. uh, ZZ Top? You know, can you play Legs, even though you've played it seven times today already? Um, but yeah, the, I, I remember on Dial MTV, Over My Head was on yeah. the show. And that was my introduction to King's X. And then, you know, he started noticing that he would play them at night and um and little by little you'd see a lot of bands you'd see anthrax wearing king's x stuff later on you'd see the pantera guys wearing king's x stuff obviously you know from texas well, as well so they 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 
gone off to a, a kind of a, a roaring star over this side. Like, yeah, you know, like they were they were much bigger in England, say, than they were in America for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah, and that was partly just from that was to do with Krang. Like Krang were raving about King's X from the word go. You know, mm-hmm. and they were like. 5Ks. I think they even got 6Ks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they made an extra K but, Yeah, I think one of their albums did that. Or maybe that was somebody else. But, you know, that's what I first read about them as well. And, you know, obviously they're very dist- they were very distinctive looking back then. Yeah. Uh, we have Bill Elam in the chat. Hello, Bill. Hope you're having a, a great day. My brother also adding uh also hoping the dj would not talk over the potential recording the struggle was real man you wanted that song <laughs> start to finish without the dj talking over it here in spain i remember i'd come over for the summer and the the radio was just absolute shit here and i re- i remember one time they played guns and roses sweet child of mine the dj talked at the beginning of the song all the way up to like the second chorus, let the second chorus play halfway through the solo started talking again. And I later found out that they would purposely do that. So they wouldn't have to pay the licensing for the song. If they, if they talked over most of the song and played less than 30 seconds, they wouldn't have to license the song on the air. Wow. Didn't know that. That was here. I don't know if it was, you know, how because every country in Europe handles that differently. Um, in Ireland, has there ever been a point in time where you started to hear a lot of these hard rock or metal bands start to get played on radio? Has that ever, outside of BBC One, has that ever really happened? Mm, not really. Uh, well, that's not true. There, there has been attempts at metal shows right on the national station right um and there has been there's been pirates like the one that i told mm-hmm. you about um but in terms of like mainstream stations um there was a metal show on a sunday night that for that ran for a while in the 90s um that's about it, really. I probably think of something as soon as I finish this. Um, no, you wouldn't. Like, I remember one day being in a shop one, one afternoon and the DJ played ACDC. Mm-hmm. But, like, the studio version of Hold Out Rosie, you know, like, that's quite long <laughs> and it's pretty raw. And, like, that was amazing <laughs> that that happened <laughs> uh, no like at the moment there is a rock station mm-hmm. but you know if you consider Fleetwood Mac every hour to be rock <sighs> so and I think and there is a show I don't know when it is that like a metal show on that station and there's a guy that plays every Friday night on that station. Uh, he plays Sick of Rocks uh, show. So I suppose there is, but 
not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that sounds a lot like what we were talking about last week, how I kept saying, well, this was on the radio, but in all actuality, it was on late at night. Or, you know, again, that show, Metal Mania with Eddie Trunk, was from like 10 or 11 to 1 a.m. on Fridays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we got Headbangers Ball on MTV, but that was midnight to 2 a.m. Or at one point in time, I think it was like from 11 to 3, you know, at the height of... Oh, yeah, like, like MTV did eventually come here. And, you know, and there was Headbangers Ball. So we had all that. Yeah. And there was 120 minutes and and things like that, you know. Yeah. I, I pinpoint Metallica's Black Album as really being the thing that kind of opened the floodgates in America, because previous to that, you didn't hear Metallica ever on the radio. I mean, it went from no Metallica, except for these late night metal shows, at least where I was. I'm assuming that in L.A., because you had KNEC and you had KLOS, which did Apparently, I mean, they were at the mecca of hair metal and all that, so they played all of that constantly, but not on the East Coast. I mean, again, Springsteen, Fleetwood Mac, the Eagles, um, you know, you would have ACDC, Led Zeppelin, but once the Black Album came out, you started to hear Sabbath on the radio. You started to hear Maiden on the radio. You started to hear more than one song by Priest on the radio. In New York, we had a station for a very small period of time, which was great because in the mid-90s, they just started playing Metallica and Maiden and Priest and Ozzy, and uh, they started mixing it in with newer stuff like Godsmack and Korn. And so you had like a good mix of of hard rock and metal from basically every decade leading up to then. And four or five years into that, they pulled the plug. And the reasoning was that they apparently weren't making enough money off of ads and felt that classic sure. sold more ads. Yeah, so of course. It, it went from, you know, two, three stations that actually started kind of battling with one another and mixing things up to there being none all of a sudden. And then within the next two years, two of the classic rock stations disappeared altogether. So it, it's, it's a shame, but, um, yeah. Like um, you, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know how, what, whether we're the same generation or not, but, uh, you, you sound like you're, you're talking about t- like sort of 10 years later, uh, but what was my point? I can't remember what my point was to get it. Well, um, if we're in the same generation, um, I'm from the early seventies. So I'm yeah, yeah, sure. We're not that far off from one another. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking like by the time mid nineties, you were talking about there, like yeah. just radio was just not something I've even considered. <laughs> Although, no, hang on. That's not true. I actually had a show on a pirate station during the 90s. There you go. <laughs> I completely forgotten about that. Uh, yeah, that was a, a Dublin pirate station, you know. 
great days. How did you get involved in that? Just through knowing the people who were, we listened to it and uh, got Dublin as a small town, got to know them, you know, can we do a show? Yeah, you can. So that's that. <laughs> What, what what did your show consist of? Like, what what were you usually playing? Uh, I was, yeah, you'd have to. I'd have to remember. This is like mid nineties. Uh, I was playing my record collection, basically uh, <laughs> a mixture of metal and like indie music, alternative music, you know. Everything I was listening to in the in the nineties. Okay, yeah, the, you say that it was your record collection, like it was a bad thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah. when I was in college, radio it was similar. You know, if if you had a show, you pulled from yeah, okay, so you had a rotation and you had things you needed to play, but then at the same time, you would start to pull from things that you were familiar with, stuff that you liked. I was. This station, this yeah. station didn't have anything like. Okay. <laughs> all the DJs would just bring in their own records, right, and leave with their own records. It was in somebody's house, like, and uh, like we had instructions on what to do if the police knocks on the door and things. You know, it was <laughs> mad. Yeah, to think that that's the way it was. Did they ever come knocking? I believe they did, but not not when I was there. not during my shift. <laughs> <laughs> they liked what you were playing. It's uh, maybe they were sitting out in the car listening to it. Yeah, there you go. It wasn't um, like that scene in the Young Ones where they come to bust up the party. Yeah, well, that's what the house was like. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What was um, for you? What was the catalyst to start to listen to hard rock? And metal was was there one band that sticks out to you? Was yeah, that the first thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that, that's an easy question. It's ACDC. Okay. There's no, uh, simple as that. Like, um, <laughs> uh, do you remember a show called Fight and Sound in Concert? Maybe you didn't show in Spain. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, have- it was it used to go out on the BBC. Okay. I think and. It was on every Saturday and it would be a different group each time. And I think my memory of it is that I'd gone to bed, I was so young, and my older brother stayed up and watched it one night. And it was this band called ACDC and they they thought it was amazing. So the next day, my oldest brother was in college and he bought um, If You Want Blood. Okay. So he brought it. He brought it home. Said, "This is that band we watched last night, on or maybe a week ago. I can't remember." And we, it was like the old, you know, these these images of people sitting around the radio listening. It was like the record was put on in the kitchen. We had one of those box record players with the speaker built in, and literally the whole family sitting around watching this album. Right. If you want blood being played, and uh, like I was, I don't know, must have been seven or something, and uh, that was it. That was just, a, you know, the switch was flicked. That was it. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, because I mean that starts off with the uh with if you want blood, doesn't it, if I remember correctly? Just the the intro and the riff to the song. Oh, like riff raff or riff raff. Riff raff. Okay, okay. I'm I'm mixing it up. Yeah, because if you want blood is on two different albums. If you want blood is on uh, Hybrid Hell. There you go. If you want blood is the, the live album. You know Angus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I remember that night like it was yesterday. Um, and so that's what got us into heavy metal. We've got a whole family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Right? No, uh, I can I can imagine. It's funny as you say that because I have some um, older relatives who I had to help uh, with the TV earlier this week. They said, "Well, if we don't have a TV, what are we supposed to do all afternoon?" And I was thinking. <laughs> Well, people used to sit around the radio. People used to read. You know, there's there's a ton of other things. But um, you're obviously with all the bands that you've been in, though. At least with uh, Middle Ages, which is your latest band, which you're you've been yeah, doing yeah. recently. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot more in an indie direction. Um, I suppose it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so to kind of open things up to go in that direction, to go more of an alternative or indie direction, what bands would you pinpoint? Oh, that, that's easy as well. <laughs> uh, Dinosaur, Dinosaur Jr. Okay. and Sonic, Sonic Youth. Okay. That's, basically, I finished college, moved in with a bunch of friends, and that's what everyone was listening to, and I was like, you know, I was listening to Metallica and, you know, Soundgarden and stuff. And it was like, from the room next door was Dinosaur Jr. and My Buddy Valentine. And, you know, I just thought this is just heavy metal with a different production. Right. Like, like you know, Dinosaur Jr. is some pretty rocking stuff, you know. It's as rocking as whoever yeah but it's delivery is different yeah i think that a lot of people don't realize i like to say that a lot of these groups drink from the same fountain where you know they'll listen to a certain band for example for example thurston moore um has credited I know you're 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 gonna be uh, taken aback by this, but has credited Kiss as being one of his uh, sure yeah early favorite bands, and their uh, Dinosaur Junior is actually on a on a Kiss tribute album. A Kiss tribute, album. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. they they love all that stuff though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's why it's funny. For example, when I came to Spain to live in Spain. Uh, there's a lot of people that are into different types of extreme metal, specifically black metal. And you'll hear people say, Oh, you know, uh, you know, they, they have a similar opinion of kiss as you do, maybe even worse. Um, but I'll bring up, I'll say, well, you do realize that that was like your favorite band's favorite influence. No, that's impossible. Um, do you know that he plays in Ibanez Iceman, which is technically a Paul Stanley model? Speaking of uh, um, uh, the guy from Celtic Frost, uh, Thomas Gabriel. Tom J. Warrior. 
Yeah, there you go. And um, no, he can't be it. And I remember for one person that kept doubting me, I said, okay, I found a picture and it was of him wearing, you know, a kiss, a kiss t-shirt. I'm like, here you go. I'm like, I bet that the majority of the early forefathers, because this is what a lot of people were listening to back then, you know, similar, similar to that, you know, is what you're saying. Dinosaur Jr., Sonic Youth, um, any other band like that. You know, they grew up on Sabbath. They grew up on Kiss, Zeppelin, all the same bands from the 70s and just kind of brought it out differently, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, my uh, like my way of thinking was just, this is just loud rocking guitars. Right. You know, as I said, it's I, I just saw it as the same music but a different production. Right. Uh, like that's maybe quite an ignorant thing to say, but that's that's what my ears told me. <laughs> well, I and also I think here in Europe, where you see festivals where you do have bands that are mixed a bit, and this is going back to the seventies and eighties too, because if you look at some of those lineups for like Reading or Leeds or, or things like that. They weren't all just one type of music. They were a mix mash of different types of rock music. So I, I think maybe over here, it was a lot more accepted. And in the early days of MTV in, in the U.S., because of what we talked about last week with the need of content, the shows were, you know, you could go from Motley Crue to Michael Jackson to Cindy Lauper to early Run DMC you know, it was, it was a, a mix mash and it, I, I think it's almost better that way, you know, because now it's just so there's too many people that, you know, are out there to prove that whatever they listen to is the only real kind of music or the only right way to rock or the only right way to metal. And no, that's, that's nonsense. I've no time for that. Yeah. Well, me neither. I think, I think it's, yeah, no, like- it, you know, that's why with Patreon, I try to mix different types of things in because I know that not everyone likes some the same stuff. And then you never know. There might be something that you may not normally listen to. You listen to it and you're like, oh, wow, you know, this is actually kind of cool. I found plenty of bands myself like that. And then when I see you guys say stuff like that, it's it to me, it's always a thrill to say, wow, you know, I turned someone on to uh to a band, you know, that's to me, that's awesome. That's what it's all about. You know, we've got definitely got the rest of our lives to worry about <laughs> moaning and groaning and about things that are actually difficult as opposed to, you know, wanting to nitpick about music. So I think at the end of the day, you either like something or you don't. And if you don't like it, just move on to something that you do like. There's too much stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's too much shit to just dwell on. You know, hey, what's the worst thing you've heard? I don't know. I don't remember. You know, you bring up Fleetwood Mac and it's it's nightmares for me because, you know, the radio would play them ad nauseum and I was never into them. I mean, I could think of maybe one or two songs that I could semi stomach, but to to see Lindsey Buckingham recently say that Eddie Van Halen never wrote a good song is is mind blowing. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Well, that's that's being jealous that 
his albums aren't being played or not being held in the same reverence as a Van Halen album. But shit changes, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing ever stays the same in a hundred years. I think, um, you know, two, three generations from now, how many of these bands that we listen to are still going to be listened to? I mean, obviously the Beatles, the Stones, Zeppelin, Metallica, maybe Sabbath, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, we haven't had that. Well, I suppose the Beatles, how many generations is there? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I have nothing to say there. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about Middle Ages and what you guys are currently doing? Uh, sure. We, we haven't done a whole lot now since... Uh, COVID, okay. um, like anybody else, like, um, but two weeks ago, we, like, I've been writing songs the whole time, I have a big stack of songs waiting to go, um, and then about two weeks ago, we just booked a day in a studio, really just to hang out with each other for the day, right? you know, and we, we said, look, we'll take one song, and we'll do it. And uh, we haven't even rehearsed it. We didn't, like, so we'll just, you know, if this turns out to be a waste of money, then then so be it. Like, we get to hang out for the day. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and uh, we just got it mastered there last week, and uh, it's really good. I'm delighted with it. So we'll put that out shortly. Don't know when, when we, because, you know, recording and Mixing everything is loads of fun, but right. doing a release is not loads of fun. <laughs> uh, so that's where we are with that. <laughs> okay. Do you? What do you plan on doing uh, moving forward after you guys release this? Do you guys intend on playing at all? Do you plan on maybe doing more recording? Well, the the, the plan is to, like I said, the I've, I wrote a stack of songs over lockdowns so right i still at the moment at the moment we'll just we'll just start picking our way through them recording them maybe one one at a time maybe some in the studio some i'll do you know because i've got the gear to do it uh and anything we've ever done before has been on a budget of like zero like, like no, I know, but like all our stuff has cost nothing so far because we do. But we did pay for this two weeks ago, and that was a different kind of uh, approach for us, and it was a lot of fun. It was very relaxing, and I can't have stress in my life at the moment, so that might be the way to go. <laughs> So I suppose we'll just keep picking them off okay. and probably putting songs out one at a time, I guess. Like, it's, it's very relaxed. <laughs> right. Well, you could ultimately do what the Beatles and Stones and all these other bands did in the 60s after having X amount of songs, just put them all out together. In- yeah, we could do that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing, like, we did do a few 
singles, let's say, uh, where we put two songs out at a time, mm-hmm. you know, A and B side. And uh, I, I find that even now that the second song has kind of disappeared. Huh. You know what I mean? So, so right. maybe it's better just to put out one song <laughs> at a time. Because then at least you know that people have listened to that one song. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe that's the thing to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, we're not... Uh, I don't know. We're, we're not going to go like on tour or anything. Like, we're not trying to make it. You know? right. we're, all, we're, we're, we're all guys. We're too old for that. Um, right. But, but, I mean, like you're saying, the camaraderie of getting together in, in the studio oh, yeah. in... You know, yeah. I know, I mean, for me, the last few weeks um, around this time of year is usually when we do the uh, Misfits tribute shows that that I've done in the past. So these last few weeks, I've really been like, wow, you know, wouldn't it be awesome to get together and just mess around and play some of these songs? And um, it's funny because a lot of people that I know here don't like the tribute bands. Oh, well, you know, it's not. You know, you're not, uh, it's not original. There's no, you know, there's no, um, whatever. There's no artistry behind it. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have totally had that opinion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when Tribute Band started coming out, when it, when it was only like the Australian Doors. Right. Know? But now, like this loads, and I'm this friend of mine who put together uh, like a Guided by Voices Tribute Band, like you, you get people taking that, and just doing all kinds of even a misfits tribute band will be right amazing fun to be to play right well that's that's the whole thing just the the funness of playing the songs and hanging out and um i'll I'll always remember um you know we were well i don't remember if we were asked or if we said that we would play at an awards gala and we said um how long do we have to play? Well, there's 15 minutes per artist. Okay. So we purposely <laughs> rehearsed playing 15 minutes straight. We played once. Uh, a ten songs. <laughs> no, it was, it was closer to 20 if I remember correctly, because Perfect. we did a few melodies in there as well, but it was fun, you know, just to, just to get out there and, and play these songs. And when there's nothing to worry about, you know, it's, it's very relaxing. You know, a lot of people don't realize how, cathartic and relaxing it is to actually get out there and play these songs and sometimes you mess up in front of 200 some odd people and you just move on you keep going (laughs) i must say misfits are a band that has i've had quite a big influence on my songwriting okay in that especially regarding my song length okay (laughs) I rarely, rarely write a song that's three minutes long. Okay, <laughs> that would be a, that would be an epic for me. <laughs> uh, so I definitely cite Misfits there. Misfits and they might be giants. They're right. my two big songwriting influences. <laughs> Lots of short songs. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Cool. You, you've also been posting on social media. You've come up with a playlist for um, uh, music for parents. Yeah. 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 Um, tell us a little bit about that and 
what your qualifications are to include a band outside of being from Ireland. What else do they need to be to be in this play? Well, they need to be from Ireland, and I like it. <laughs> that's that's basically it. Okay. Uh, like there's loads. I wanted to create it that hopefully people would do a search on their on their uh, streaming, you know, search for Irish music. And I would imagine if you do that now, you're going to get ones with U2 and other Irish music that I don't like. So <laughs> I thought, I, I, and there's so much music here. So I thought I'd create one with uh, Irish music that I do like. And right. a lot of them would be friends of mine as well. So it was a way, initially the idea was that I would put together this playlist that uh, people would play and people I know would get some streaming revenue. But I just uh, expanded it and expanded it. I think it's about two and a half hours long now. I have to see if I can find it. I'm looking on Apple Music right now. I can't find it. I looked. I looked for it there recently, and I couldn't find it. Yeah, I'm. I'm even seeing somebody that has Dropkick Murphys. Did they know that Dropkick Murphys is from Boston, not from Ireland? Yeah. There you go. That's that's exactly what what you will find. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's good crack. Like, and you know, I I listen to it. <laughs> you know, it's for me, really. It's not for anybody else. But I hope other people will find it. Yeah, I actually um, saved it. So, oh, very good. Yes, at least at least I have the the Apple version of it. Yeah, it's thirty four yeah. songs, two hours long. I may uh, end up uh, posting this to Patreon. So, if anyone is interested in that, they can. There's not much metal on it. I. Uh, I I think you'll find that most of the people that are in there, except for one or two, will probably enjoy a lot of the stuff that's that's in this playlist because I think a lot of I think most of the patrons are a lot more um, musical diverse than just uh, yeah, uh, definitely they are. Yeah, no, I get that impression. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, I do want to put more metal in it, <laughs> and I, I will. Would would you qualify being that Joe Elliott lives in has lived in Ireland for decades now? Would you qualify adding Def Leppard after he moved to Ireland in there? No. <laughs> I was no. I was trying to think if the band The Almighty was from Ireland, but I think they're actually from Scotland. No, they're, 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 Ricky Bork is is from the north. Yeah, he's from Belfast, isn't he? Oh, he is okay. Yeah, yeah. But the Almighty were based in England somewhere. Right, right, right. A band that I listened to, thanks to my brother, that uh, never made it big in the U.S. So it's uh, cool to see him with Black Star Riders finally getting the attention that he probably deserved <laughs> in the states several decades ago. He, he's a, he's a good songwriter, you know. Yeah, yeah, and he he writes a lot of different things. My my biggest gripe with Ricky 
is that I um I backed one of his um it was an Indiegogo or or one of these things. It was a crowdfunding thing. And you know, to me, if you release something on crowdfunding and you say that it's going to be something special, no one else is going to hear it. And then years later, he's he signs to Nuclear Blast and releases it. It's like, ah, uh, yeah. you know, to me, to me, it kind of loses its its specialness. But in in any event, for that, you can have Ginger Wildheart, who released three hundred songs on on crowdfunding and has only released thirty of the. Was it thirty? No, I'm sorry. He recorded 300. It was called 333% because that was the amount of people that backed it. But he's only released 10 of those songs, which he let the backers pick. So, but Ginger's pumping music out left and right anyway. Yeah, he's a, a machine, isn't he? Absolutely. So, um, I do want to thank you. Yeah. You have somebody come on? Yeah, I have Josh Toomey from NotFest right. and from Talk Toomey. Coming on next, I do want to thank you for saving the first hour, Anthony, because <laughs> I thought I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do for an hour? I'm just going to have to talk about. Well, well, you might have actually had to end up talking about the new releases that you were going to talk about. <laughs> I was I will say that uh, after last week's discussion, I really did want to have an in-depth discussion of exactly what we talked about today. So. I appreciate you having on and and uh, being able to be here with us today. So well, I'm going to have to split now. So good luck. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, how how do I leave? That's what I want. Oh, there's there you go. Oh uh, yeah yeah okay. All right, listen. Cheers. All right, cheers. And now joining us. Someone else that saved the show because I asked <laughs> yesterday. Uh, hey, man, whether- anything for you, Vic. <laughs> well, I've heard that plenty of times. I, I you know, so I'll, I'll, you know, I appreciate it either way. Nice. <laughs> we, we are, we are postponing date night so I can do this. So I was like, I got to do uh, this thing with Vic real quick. That's why I asked you earlier how long it was going to take. So yeah, actually she went to Target. So. So now you've cost me money, Vic. Thanks very much. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I did promise you no karate questions. So, Hey, we can talk karate all you want. I don't know anything about it, but <laughs> well, um, I don't either outside of the fact that my neighbors used to go, but outside of that, there's not much more I can do. Well, growing up in the eighties, man, if you saw a karate kid, like you wanted to go to karate class. Cause you just knew that you were at some point in your life, gonna have to do a karate tournament to to you know get a girl or whatever well i i'll say this i grew up in in the new york metro area so we had channel 11 wpix had kung fu theater every sunday and we also had godzilla movies Hi, both highly influential on wu-tang clan because they're from the same area right. and by the time karate kid came out i was like there was nobody in any of these Kung Fu movies that I saw growing up that looked anything like him. So I don't <laughs> care how good his kicks are. I don't care how bad Cobra Kai is or anything like this. Any of the guys that I listened to that could fly through the air or any of the people that we imitated would have kicked Ralph Macchio's ass. What the hell is this? So, <sighs> well, 
<laughs> that's why you had to move to to California because the California karate maybe wasn't on par with everything else, and so you know, maybe go. that's where where it happened. I I, I got gotcha. you. That's that's where <laughs> they put barbecue sauce on pizza. So I get it. Um. Anyway, be, being that I see the uh, Titans helmet behind you, mm-hmm. obviously the um, Vinnie Paul. Yes, sir. Titans helmet. Being a Cowboys fan, how did he end up with with a Titans helmet? Did they just donate that to him, or was he friends um, with somebody on the team? I honestly don't know the backstory of the helmet itself, but there was other memorabilia on the auction. And I mean, his dad was in Nashville for a long time. I I, right. I thought about it afterwards. I mean, because they recorded you know so many albums in Nashville, okay. so I mean, he does have Nashville ties. But I think he was just a giant sports fan because the auction had, you know, uh, had so many like a few different teams on it. It wasn't just all cowboy stuff or right. you know Las Vegas Golden Knight stuff. And he had so much. So I'm assuming what what in my brain what I want this to be was some sort of man cave sports bar in the house with helmets across the top of all the teams. You know, it wasn't okay. You know, but but it does look authentic enough to where you know there's some signs that it could be an actual issued helmet but i it doesn't have a player or anything on it but it, there's no chance that that was jerry abbott's and he said you know what let me just throw this in and say it's vinny's to make some <laughs> no 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 there's no way that would have happened okay okay how many times in the last few months with all the pantera rumors have you thought of bringing back drag the water I've been asked about that a lot. Like you bring back the pod. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe now is a good time to do it, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, of all people to, to do a, 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 you know, a Pantera podcast, I guess I should try to bring it back. It's funny that some of the first Pantera shows back are not fest shows, but they're in like Brazil and, and wherever else. And yeah. I, I, you know, as soon as it happened, I texted my boss at not fest. And I was like, I, I was like, before you even ask, Yes, I will go to Brazil. Yes, I will cover the show. You don't even have to ask. You know? <laughs> Has there been any interest on their behalf for you no. to do anything? No. Okay. I the I I looked at flights just just to see, and it was about two grand. Yeah. To to fly, and I was like, well, if I did two grand to fly, I mean, if, if I can get myself there, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm obviously pretty positive I could get myself in, and then maybe right. do some stuff, but. I'm just like, I, don't, I just don't see them footing, a you know, footing the flight and the hotels and all that stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's rock and pod money for me. When people ask me every year, why don't you come to rock and pod? Uh, it's like three grand for me to go. For <laughs> so it's kind of difficult to sell. Monson, Zach, where you at? Yeah. Oh, he's he's offered, but I've said no. I'm, I mean, let's 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 be honest. Uh, I'm not getting people there. I'm not getting no. people in, in the door. And although there are other people that may uh, may want star quality tables and, and things like that and different things that have gone on over the years, I'm cognizant of the fact that, <laughs> you know, people aren't going there for me. So, well, I do want to say congratulations on 300 episodes and 13 years is insane. I mean, I guess my I, I'm up on seven this month, seven years this month and and okay. close to 400 episodes. But hey, not to say not to like put down on 300, but man, 300 is, is amazing. 13 years is crazy. And I go through this all the time where I'm just like, 
I just want to stop. Like, I just I, like, like at, at some point you just, you just go through all these emotions and honestly, rock and pod louder than life that I get to cover every year. Like those are like milestone moments that just kind of keep you going. You know, it's like, it's like, you have to find like that thing that just makes you get to the oh, next yeah. episode because you, you just fall into like, you're, you're not getting any interviews. You're not getting any feedback. You're not getting, you know, the interaction you want. And you're, you don't feel like you're in the, in the proper pecking order of certain things. Right. And uh, it's, it's, it's very de- debilitating, but thankfully there were, there've been times where, all right, if I can just get to rock and pod, if I can just get to louder than life, you know, if it, there's always like those things, it's just like kind of pushing through. And, and thankfully I have on most of the stuff, but, but yeah, there's definitely been like, like when, when will this end? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tallied up today between all the various podcasts that I've done over the years that I've produced mm-hmm. um, shows that I've co-hosted with Mark Striegel on his Patreon uh, sh- shows that I did for him. I did like a recap show for him on Patreon. I did talking metal for two years. I did. So I've actually, you know, sold myself short for all these years. I've actually tallied it all up. Um, with guest appearance and every, everything else I've easily done over a thousand episodes. Oh, wow. Nice. So, (laughs) you know, so, you know, I've been trying to get like editing gigs and stuff like that for other shows and I've been listing, yeah, I've done like 400 episodes or, or whatever. And then I realized when I added it up today, I'm like, shit, I got, I got to change numbers real quick here because <laughs> considerable amount more. Um, but, um, yeah, all, all I'll say, well, I'm not going to say anything else, but yes, everything <laughs> that you said is correct. I've, yeah. I've had those types of things. I, on my Patreon show today, I talked about why I switched. Cause I started out doing a show in Spanish and okay. then one one email to Nikki Law changed that um, because well, I should say Mark Striegel pushed me in that direction, but I was fighting with bands locally here to interview okay. them. And I was getting bands telling me, you know, you have to pay, you have to buy my CD if you want an interview. Um, you have to. And I'm like, no one knows who the fuck you are. <laughs> right. You know, and I even got somebody that told me, well, why would I want to do an interview on your show? A lot of people, you know, don't like what you do, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, then if you're comfortable with just your four friends and your mom knowing who your band is, then that's awesome. Right. Um, for me, I mean, when you went to NotFest and we may have, I don't remember if last year when we talked, if you had started on NotFest yet or not. Yeah, like the year anniversary just passed a few, like about a month or so ago. So okay, yeah. so last time we spoke, I think was like a month or two before because you had told me about it, I think behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Someone had said it to me, maybe Sinzak had blurted it to me. But, um, but for me as a podcaster, knowing you and being in touch with you, to me, it was a big deal. And I think for a lot of people to see you get to not fest was right. a huge deal. You know, even if, you know, you do have these struggles as a podcaster, um, seeing one of your own get that recognition and get to a platform like 
not fest. Right. You know, it's like living vicariously through oh, you awesome. saying, you know, it's one of the boys made it, you know? <laughs> so, right. So, so it was, you know, to me, it was really cool uh, that you've gotten there and, you know, I check in as often as I can. I listen to the podcast, you know, unfortunately when you guys start talking about spoilers, a lot of times <laughs> I got to, I got to shut the episode off like <laughs> with the house of dragon. Um, House of the Dragon. I forget. House of the Dragon. Yeah. But uh, same thing with Stranger Things. I still haven't gotten past episode four this season. But, uh, <laughs> well, that's on you by that at that point. No, that's that's having two kids at home all summer and making yeah. it impossible to see shit. But anyway, you've always pivoted over the years, you know, whether it was, you know, with Drag the Water or with Talk to Me. But once you got to Notfest, in your opinion, what have you changed for the better with what you do? What has NotFest helped you pivot to make Talk To Me better? Um, I mean, I honestly, I have, I don't really feel like I've changed a lot with NotFest. I mean, I do, I, I do, I do, I do a little bit more strategic interview booking. Like, I try not to just take anybody, or if, or if I have to fill a hole. Because obviously, you know, I'm getting paid now, so I don't want to send them, you know, your local band from Spain that four people and their mom have heard of. You know, you 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 right. want to try try, but I mean, I guess I've always tried that. I've always tried to try to have bigger names on the show. the The main pivot right now is adding Chris Aiken to the show, which is Chris right. joined the show back in in uh, in January, but now we've separated we've almost made talk to me into two shows like it's me right. and chris on thursdays and then i'm going back to just solo interviews on tuesdays and but it's it's just throwing up a 30 minute hour interview with somebody on tuesday and then chris and i talking music on on thursdays and i i've been talking to him even you know over the last few months but just just the last couple of episodes where it's just been me and him I've gotten so much more interaction and so much more like I have to go back and remember what I said on the show or like, you know, you'll hit, you'll, you'll comment on something. I'm like, did I say that? Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Which for the first six years of the show, I never got because right. It's not opinion based. It's interview based. You know, you're, you're just on there asking about the new album, asking about, you know, the next tour or hitting, hitting up like an old story and things like that. You don't, you don't get too much people hitting, you know, going into the comment section, like, Oh yeah, that was cool to me. I'm glad you said that or something. But now like I'm getting text messages, DMS comments, comments on the YouTube. Like it's, it's not something I'm used to. And I'm kind of having to like, Oh yeah, I guess people are listening. You know, it's crazy. Right. You've obviously had other co-hosts in, in the past yeah. Um, what makes Aiken different from the rest of them? Obviously there's, we can say his legacy. Cause obviously from <laughs> right. he got a legacy. Yeah. And you know, obviously he's been around, he, he's got a ridiculous, uh, you know, again, legacy of people that he's spoken to, that he's interviewed, yeah. that events that he's been at, you know, hearing him talk about shows that he was at as a kid is, yeah. Just like be beyond cool, but what <laughs> separates him from some of the other people that you've had that you've worked with in the past? Uh, I mean, not not to talk negative on anybody, but I think he 
he just understands what's going on. Like he, mm-hmm. he's been doing it so long that he knows what I need and bounces off. And him and I have talked on the phone for the last probably five years, at least once a week for mm-hmm. a long, like he's one of those people. If you call him about one thing, an hour and a half later, you're going to be like, Oh shit, I got to get off the phone and go do something else. You know, like <laughs> him and I have just always had that, that, that kind of, you know, friendship to where, we'll get on the phone and we'll just get stuck on the phone talking and talking. And so when I decided with talk to me for this last time to get a co-host on, to do some, because I wanted that a side of the show of giving opinions and things like that Mm -hmm. on my own and just bounce off other people. And, and I sat there and I, and I, he, you know, he does Chris Aiken presents. He does classic metal show. He does uh, aftershocks. He, he, he's spread thin already. Right. And I knew that going in and I sat there and I was, I just hit him with a text one day. I was like, Hey, before I start looking around, do you want to do this? And he's mm-hmm. like, sure. You know, and I was like, all right, well, let's do it. You know, we'll start January, whatever the first episode in January was. And it took him a little bit. It, it took him a second to kind of get his feet wet because he, he didn't want to censor himself, but he also didn't want to go just be Chris Aiken. CMS Chris Aiken, you know, right, right, right. obviously, you know, you've listened to the show, you know, he's, he's a little bit more reserved, but it's, but I don't think it's to his detriment on the show. I think it's, you know, it's, it's been pretty good. I mean, there's only been one time where I'm like, dude, you can't say that, <laughs> you know, like, but, and, uh, and, and it's funny. I just edit, I just edited it out on the, on the live show. He's tech. You could probably still, if you wanted to try to find it on the, uh, on the uh, YouTube, you could probably find him, see him say it, but, uh, but yeah, I just took out the word, <laughs> but other than that, man, he's, he's been fantastic and he's, he, you know, he just gets it, you know, yeah. he's not trying to, not trying to do too much. And, you know, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. I, I think if you follow him in any of his shows, he knows how to serve each show. Yeah. That he knows what each show needs. He knows what ingredients he can bring to the table and what each show needs of him. So I think that's, you know, and I, and I've heard after getting to know him and everything, I've heard people, you know, not everyone enjoys what he does. Yeah. But, well, how could you listen? I'm like, well, he's always been great to me. He's always been good. <laughs> ask him about things on the tech side of things or even with shows or whatnot. So. You know, unless yeah. somebody does something horrific to me, why, why, why do, you know, I'm not going to change my opinion <laughs> be, because of that, you know, because, because Sammy Hagar just appeared on the new Megadeth doesn't mean I'm going to start to hate Megadeth. <laughs> I was actually, I was, I was typing out a, uh, like a Facebook post and I'm like, make sure to check on all your Sammy Hagar hater friends. Cause their heads are going to pop off when they hear him <laughs> yeah. on the new Megadeth. But I, I actually just changed it and I just uh, messaged uh, or posted on Ian Wildley's wall yeah, directly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and which is funny. Also what makes that funny for me is the fact that I know he only checks his Facebook like once a day. Like right. he, he's, he's not like me where I'm just on the internet all day long. And so He's there's like comments on it and people liking it and laughing at it and stuff. So the next time he opens his Facebook, he's gonna be like, What the fuck? <laughs> That's funny. Um, did anyone reach out to you after you going with Chris saying, Hey, why not me? Why'd you go with him? No, I don't, I, nobody really because it wasn't like a hey, I'm looking for anybody. It was just actually, it was, it was a pretty positive post. You know, I just posted 
you know, last December, I'm like, Hey, you know, starting next year, Chris is going to join the show. And yeah, nobody hit me up and be like, why would, why wasn't I the co-host? You, you know, he's right. already on every other show. Right. You know, so. <laughs> Were you jealous while reading the, um, Despo Geek review? Has <laughs> got five stars over more Aiken, but first more Aiken, more not more to me, more Aiken, and from a female fan. So these are like two <laughs> anomalies. Are you sure that he isn't posting as Elizabeth Gaines behind your back? Or that's that, probably that's- him. Yeah, it probably is him. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I get it too, man. I'm, I'm you know more Aiken on the Talk to Me show. You know what I'm saying? Like that's he's cool. just he's just one of those like dudes, man. He's 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 got quick wit and funny and knows his stuff. And, you know, he could just, he's obviously been on a mic for a long time. And yeah, no, I, I, I more pull that stuff out because I think it's funny. You know, obviously my jealousy rate, you know, on a, on a scale of like one to 10, probably about a, right about a three. I mean, Hey, you know, it would have been nice to get a two. We was cool too, or something like that, you know, but I also, I mean, they're, they're also uh, talk to me, uh, re, you know, iTunes reviews now that say, uh, you know, two great show, blah, blah, blah. And Aiken's okay. You know, at the end. So, <laughs> so I mean, I, it, it's, it's all fun. And I just thought that would be a fun way to start the show. Plus, yeah. Plus it was from a girl and I think it made him laugh that yeah. you know, he's like, man, mostly most women hate me. Right. 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 Yeah. You brought up, you guys brought up something that I thought was funny on this week's show as well. Cause you know, I'd, kind of wanted to prove that i do listen to the show but uh <laughs> phil demel was brought up quite a bit yeah okay. um so i have a series of phil demel questions for you all right okay um if you were to become the phil demel of any band the go-to fill-in what band would it be oh wow uh the phil demel of any band currently um Man, um, that is that is a good question, Vic. Uh, let's go. And it can't be twelve volt negative Earth. No, because <laughs> I'm the I'm the Phil Dimmel of that band. Um, give me uh, give me Deftones. I'll be the I'll be the the go to guy in Deftones right now. There you go. Okay. Um, all right. If you could be the Phil Dimmel of any podcast and and <laughs> fill in for a host of any show. What show would that be? The Phil Dimmel of any podcast. Aside from the Mars Attack show. Um, <laughs> man, uh, what, what's my what's my go to shows right now? Because I guess in a lot of my, you know, like Cobras and Fire and I've been on Decibel Geek and um, give me. See, it's 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 hard for me to say that one because I would I would have to say like a show that I would want to be a co-host on. All right, I'll give you one that's ridiculous. All right, I listen to a Titans podcast called the Titan Up Podcast. Okay, and they have one one co one one host named Austin Huff, who I think is like one of the funniest dudes on the planet. So if I could replace his host and co-host the Titan Up Podcast, <laughs> I'll be the Phil Demel of the Titan Up Podcast. How about that? All right. Who could be the Phil Demel of the Talk To Me podcast? Uh, anybody. <laughs> anybody <laughs> could do this one. Um, th- see, that's like more of like who would I want to see Chris talk to about this style of music? So let's go. Um, 
I think Chris Sinzak could do my job pretty easily and kind of keep Chris on Chris on, you know, I think Chris, I'm like the Chris of decibel geek and Aikens, the Camaro, you know what I'm saying? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) If you had an album that you wish you would have been able to play on any band, any era, Oh God, what would be that album? I did not know there was going to be homework for this. Uh, let's go. Any band, any album, any era. Yeah. Uh, the End of Heartache by Killswitch Engage. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right. A band that you don't care for, but really like one of their songs. Um, don't care for that's that's the caveat there. A band that I don't really care for, but I like doesn't mean you hate them, right? Could be a band that's just okay, but they have one song that you think is just ridiculously good. Uh, I mean that kind of goes goes into a little bit when we talk about like like a Gojira on the on the show, like like I I don't dive into their catalog but like Stranded is an amazing song like right. things something like that to where like I haven't really dove into the catalog but but if someone says do you like Gojira I would say yes like because of the strength of that one song something okay. like that yeah so I'd probably go that one you you had to pick the one song where a lot of their diehard fan base says they sold out oh uh, well <laughs> can, can you can you imagine or you know how ridiculous that is no that's that's off of the album where they sold out and yeah, I, I read something today, and so so everyone's always like, "Why don't you get more metal at the Super Bowl or get more metal in the NFL?" They play Crazy Train and and Rage Against right. the Machine, all this stuff during the game. Why don't you have more more uh, metal guys perform? That's what they always say. Mm-hmm. And so now Ozzy is going to play at the opening the the first NFL game at okay. the opening ceremony of the NFL, whatever halftime, and people are bitching about that. I'm like, oh, just. Heavy metal dudes, please stop. Like, yes. it, it is such, that's that's something that's very uh disheartening when, when you're trying to do something like you're doing what I'm doing. It's just like you can never please anybody, especially in this style of music. Yeah, I I will always remember I interviewed Michael Kiska, the singer, one of the singers in Halloween. Nice. And he said one of the reasons why he stopped recording metal albums at one point was because he hated all the hate that he got from the fan base. And that (laughs) he said, you know, for a form of music that was formed out of rebellion, Mm -hmm. specifically against religion and all of the, you know, norms and rules behind being part of a religion. He said, there's more rules in metal nowadays than there is in the Bible. So he said, you know, metal has become so conservative with that where, oh, no, you must sound this way. You must tune like this. You can't have these kind of vocals anymore, you know. And like you're saying, instead of another example to what you said, remember years ago when they said that Metallica's Black album had surpassed Shania Twain and and a Garth Brooks album as becoming the biggest selling album of the uh, SoundScan era. Oh, that's when they sold out. That's when, <laughs> right. no, in, instead of saying, you know what? I'm happy it's Metallica. It's not one of my favorite albums by them, but I'm still happy that it's a metal band as opposed to a country. Right. Act in, in both of these cases. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that, that, that blows me away about fandom is how 
just insane fans get, <laughs> which is, right. I guess, somewhat awesome. But I mean, even, you know, with them being in Stranger Things and and, and things like that, it's like right. people are just just mad all the time. Everybody's mad. Yes. Well, that's the power of the Internet. The, the power, unfortunately, Rachel Boland said it recently. I've said it for a long time. Just because the Internet allots us the power to say whatever we want doesn't mean that we should always do it. Right. Because, you know, yes, it's given Unless me you a, have a podcast. Well, <laughs> it's, it's given me the power to have a podcast. But at the same time, there's a lot of shit out there that, you know, people nowadays take opinion for fact, unfortunately. But anyway. A bad album by a band that you love. Bad album. I mean, Saint Anger. <laughs> you know, what I mean, in the vein of what we're talking about. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've tried to give that one chance after chance after chance, and it's just every time you go back to it, it's just like, like because you, you, you don't want it to get trendy that everybody hates it. So you're like, well, maybe everybody hates it just because I, everybody hates it. So let's see if there's, there's, there are moments on the album, and I, but I think a lot of the songs in that album are riff soup. Where it's just like this is a cool riff, that's a cool riff, that's a cool riff. It's a it's a it's a song now, you know. <laughs> so, not right, a lot of cohesion so, on that one. So I have to strike the idea of asking you to help me cover uh, the unknown feeling. All right, uh, <laughs> or unnamed feeling. Excuse me. Um, right. All right. Um, guilty pleasure podcast that you listen to outside of the Titans one that you just mentioned. Guilty pleasure podcast. Um. Guilty pleasure one. What is it? What is it? What, what do you, what's your definition of guilty pleasure podcast? Usually guilty pleasures are things that people wouldn't expect you to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good podcast on Wondery called Business Wars. And they, they, it's like the history of like Coke versus Pepsi or, you know, Hershey's versus Mars. It's, it's like all these, it's all these, uh, you know, business wars, basically, you know, the right. Apple versus whatever. <laughs> There's one really good one about Walmart versus Amazon and things like that. So, and they're, they're obviously wondery. So they, they're very well done. And um, yeah, so I would say probably business wars is, is probably the weirdest one that I listen to. It's always outside the box on that one. Okay. Here's a question that I was going to ask Sinzak this question once, and he flat out told me if I ever asked him, he would never respond. So, okay, let's see. Let's see what uh, Mr. Toomey has to say about this. Should morality be separated when you're listening to a band? Um, I'm, I would say up to a point like, and, and I, because obviously, you know, you got your Michael Jackson's out there, R. Kelly, all that stuff. Even right. even when you get into the the Pantera stuff, you know, you've got Phil out there being an idiot. Um, so it's like it's like, can you like the art but hate the artist? And and I think that I actually have been thinking a lot about this lately. Um, I would say that you can you it, man, um, <laughs> good, <laughs> damn it, Vic. Uh, I think you can personally separate the two i think that you can but i mean there's there's certain instances like lost profits like i just i've i've listened to them on 
like they'll come up on like Sirius XM and I'm like, really? Like you, you guys are really going to play this song right now. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I had that lost profits album back in the day, it had some great songs on it, but, uh, but you know, a band like that, you know, you're just like, there's just so much stigma attached to it. You're just like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to listen to that. Right. Um, no matter how good the songs are. Um, yeah, I mean, but there's so much stuff out there. I mean, you got the as a light as a lay dying stuff where everybody's kind of just forgiven and forgotten, and you know, right. fill, and like we said, I mean, you know, Pantera comes out with a with the you know some live shows that they're going to do, and everybody's very you know everybody's more mad about the the Abbott brothers not being there than Phil being an idiot, you know, and so you get <laughs> you kind of get more, that stuff out there, so. I don't know. I mean, if if some of the say, say the Lost Prophet stuff happened to you know one of my other favorite bands, I mean, like, what do you do there? So right. That, that's that's a tough one to think. You know, a tough one to say. You know, I definitely wouldn't go out in public wearing a shirt of said band. I might still listen to them in the car. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're like Mo- Michael Bolton in Office Space, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, the the reason that I brought it up to him was. Uh, we were having a discussion on Motley Crue and mm-hmm. how some people, you know, because of someone's political leanings, maybe have decided to denounce a band all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, with Motley Crue, I mean, if you look into all the heinous shit they've done over the years, I mean, do you do you sit there and say, oh, you know, because they've done X, Y, and Z, I can no longer listen to their music? Right. But it's, I don't know, it's 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 a fine line and it's difficult because I do think it's a case by case type of a, a situation too, because thing with lost profits too, it's one dude that fucked it up for the entire band, you know, right. Unbeknownst oh, yeah. to the rest of the people too. I mean, I'm not condoning it or forgiving it or anything like that, but it's, you know, yeah, so- I don't think I could ever not listen to a band because of their, their political leanings. Like I, I, I could right. care less about, most of most people's politics, you know, I'm definitely right. not going to, you know, that that's what I'm talking about. Like if, if it's, if it's some sort of abuse or, and like even the stuff with neurosis, you know, it's like, like neurosis, one of my favorite bands, you know, growing up and then all that Scott Kelly stuff's come out. And, and I'm like, ugh, like we, Chris and I actually talked about it before we recorded last. I was like, do we even touch this? And right. he's like, he's like, it's touchy, but we can. And I'm like, I'll put it on the list. But if we, you know, if we get roughly into it, you know, deep in the show and we haven't touched it, then, you know, there's really no del- there's, there's really no reason to talk about it, but it's right. still news. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because that dude is, is, you know, he's big with the Mastodon camp and neurosis and tribes of Narat and, and all that stuff. And, and I've always been a fan of him, but mm-hmm. now like with all, with his, all of his, you know, the, the, uh, coming out and just admitting to what he's been up to. It's, it's, it's a tough sell, man. I don't know if how much I'm going to be listening to neurosis, but you know, to five, 10 years, will I throw on times of grace? I might, <laughs> you never know. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, I think a lot of people do the, the station fire with great white. Right. I had a boss that absolutely loved great white. And he said, I don't want to listen to great white anymore after that whole thing went down and like two years later, finally he like the ice started to thaw and, you know, from time to time we'd listen to to great white at work, but similar deal. You know, it's (laughs) one of these things where, you know, right now it's fresh. You you find about it and you don't know down the road what, what may happen. Um, 12 volt is getting back together again. Right. Crazy. 
explain why and when. Um, well, uh, the when is September 18th. That's a Sunday night in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the why is uh, there, there was a club in Nashville called the Lucy's Record Shop. Um, it, for lack of a better term, it was like a CBGB's of Nashville punk rock club. All ages shows five bucks. It was never more than five dollars. Um, you know, some some bigger bands played there in their early days. Like I, I think Green Day was booked. I don't think they played kind of thing. And, you know, it had one of those kind of vibes to it. But um, growing up, you know, that's just, just you know, your parents would take you and drop you off at the club, and it held about two hundred people. Um, and just growing up, it it was a place for us to to play and hone our craft of, you know, being, being teenagers and whatever, and playing in bands. And, um, I, I recently did, uh, the, the Mary Mancini, the lady that ran the place, uh, she started a podcast and she was going back and finding all the old Lucy's bands and seeing where, where they've gone and the Lucy and, and it's fun listening to it because, you know, some of them are doing music and some of them are just in business or psychiatrist, you know, psychiatrists. Right. And it's crazy <laughs> that all of us kind of, kind of went that way, but we, we all, learned how to play shows, how to book shows, how to, how to be in a band, how to promote and all that stuff kind of at that stomping ground. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've said this before. I mean, 12 volt was big in Nashville, mm-hmm. you know, big local band. I'm not, I'm not trying to say we were, were anything more than that, but we, you know, we got up to about a thousand people a show. And then, you know, and then, you know, Chris Kell from five finger death punch replaced me when I went off to join primer 55 and it, it was a whole thing. And and we over the years have just you know randomly get those messages. Hey, just found out about your band in this country. In this country, the internet's kind of kind of kept the band going. Right. Um, we get offers to do a show maybe once a year. Hey, would would Twelve Volt want to reunite for this for this or that for this show for that show? And I always you know I know for some reason it always comes to me because I booked the shows back then, and so I guess people still know remembered that. And so people come to me and say, Hey, well, 12 will do this show. And I'm like, I'll, I'll ask. I always say I'll ask. Right. I'll throw it in. I'll throw it out there to everybody. And typically you get a couple of maybes and a couple of no's. <laughs> and then, it, and so, um, when, when Mary asked at the end of the show, after at the end of the taping of the show, she goes, Hey, you know, don't tell anybody, but I'm, I'm getting together a 30th anniversary of the, the club opening. The mm-hmm. club opened in 92. And um, she's like, do you think 12 volt would reunite for that? And I said, I doubt it, but I'll ask, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then, so I, I got off the episode with her and I went upstairs and, and I text, uh, I, I always start with the people that are the grumpiest about it, you know, because, <laughs> because I know like our, like I, I asked our, our, our guitar player, Trey, Trey, do you want to do the show? Mary Mancini wants us to play the 30th anniversary of Lucy's. And he wrote me back. He was just like, he's like, fuck. He's like, I can't say no to Mary. I'm like, well, that's a yes. And I was like, <laughs> and he goes, well, you ask, you know, he asked the other guitar player and I just texted our singer. I'm like, Hey, 30th anniversary show of Lucy's we're doing it. <laughs> you know, like I didn't even ask him. I just told him because I'm right. you know, by, by the time we get to him, um, you know, it would be all yeses. But, uh, you know, we got our original drummer, original band, the whole band that would have played, you know, time, 
uh, what do you call it? A uh, uh, time appropriate or whatever era appropriate band members <laughs> together. Um, we actually have our first rehearsal on Sunday in two days while I was waiting to, to come on with you. I was running through the set again. It's funny how those songs, you know, we, we, we wrote those songs in like 96, 97 mm-hmm. and that your, your hands just immediately go like where they're supposed to go. Um, but I, I'm excited and we're going to do two rehearsals and then do the show on the 18th. And, you know, I, I, that's one of those things where kind of that band, I never thought would ever get back together, get in a room together. You know, there, there's been inklings of primer 55 shows coming up, nothing in, in stone yet, but we've, you know, Bobby Burns and I've definitely been talking back and forth. Eyes mm-hmm. on a couple of singers to replace Jason who, who tragically passed away. Uh, one of the original drummers, Preston from back in the day, going to do it. So, I mean, I went from like no shows to like, now I got to learn how to play bass again, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's going to be fun. How confident are you, are you in your abilities in 2022 on the bass? I, I mean, I, I, it's funny. Our drummer said the same thing, but he's like, I think I'm playing better than I ever have. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I think I am too. <laughs> like I've, I just really, you know, um, I don't know, just calm down or something. Just, just sat there and played and just, you know, I guess with, with, with age comes better playing. I don't know. But yeah, I feel, I feel super comfortable. It, it wasn't even like, I would want to say that I could go in with no rehearsals, but I, I want to sit here and practice as much as I can yeah. just to be on top of everything. But it was like one of those things where you hit play and you just immediately play the song. Right. It's not like my dad, my, I, I was talking to my dad today about it and he like, he's like, so you guys are only going to do two rehearsals. I was like, dad, it's not like he goes, he goes two rehearsals after 20 years. And I was like, dad, the songs haven't changed. <laughs> you know, It's not like we're learning all new songs. Right. Could you envision doing anything else beyond this with uh, with twelve volt? This this is uh, is is this like your twisted sister moment where they get back together for a benefit show and then next thing you know they're they're doing shows for the next right next amount um, of years and you would I mean I wouldn't be against it but I mean it's also like kind of like who's clamoring for it too. You know, I mean, people are pumped about this show. I mean, I've seen people are flying in from out of state that grew up, you know, grew up with us and mm-hmm. you know, have the means to do that. And everybody that's in the, in Nashville are that, that it's like, if you know, you know, mm-hmm. and people are like people, as soon as they saw like the flyer and, and the posting and stuff and, you know, the big eye emojis and I saw people sharing it like, Oh my God, you know, 12 volts getting back together, which is fun. You know, obviously anybody outside of a 300 mile radius of Nashville could give a shit, but you know, people (laughs) there are like, Holy hell, man, this is, this is actually happening because it was, it was a thing because going back to Lucy's and talking about Lucy's, I mean, you know, we played a couple of shows there and then one night we sold the place out, you know, Mm -hmm. and which is, which, you know, not, not a lot of local bands are drawing 200 people. And I remember setting my gear up and I turned and I was like turning around, setting on my base. And then I turned around again and just, just the place was packed. I mean, it was like people up against the wall and you know, there was, there was like a wall over here that went to the bathroom, just a line of people, line of people out the back. And it just, it was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. And I was still only 17 at the time. And so, you know, to kind of get a taste of that, that early was, was nuts. Sinzak did say that, 12 volt was the one band that he thought would always make it out of Nashville that didn't. 
Yeah, so, we get that. That's like the one thing we get all the time is like, why not? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I knew. Yeah. Um, real quickly, another question based on what you guys talked about this week. My theory. Okay. Not a question, the theory, real quickly here. Tour cancellations. Yeah. Um, the tour that you guys were speaking of, you guys were talking about the Anthrax tour, for mm-hmm. example. Okay, so so hear me out on this. I mentioned this to your <laughs> to your uh, co-worker or your co-host cohort cohort. Anthrax just finished playing a bunch of festival dates, making up for you know the dates that were scratched because of the pandemic. Now they've been all over pretty much every country that they were supposed to be on this tour. Did it make sense for them to go back? I mean, they they just wrapped up the tour with BLS and that tour was what, like a month long. So they were in Europe at the end of May, June and part of July. Did it make sense for them to go back to Europe for two months and a half when they were just here? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how their business is over there. I'm assuming they're, they're probably bigger over there than they are here in the States. I would assume just because Mm -hmm. that's how metal works. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you're kind of, I guess you are getting into that air area of canceled tours or postponed tours are starting to butt up against tours you already had planned, you know, so right. you're getting yeah, into yeah, yeah. touring weight, you know, that basically what you're saying there. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I just don't want this to be, well, it's low ticket sales. So let's just say, uh, logistically we can't make it or low to, you know, there's low ticket sales. So, Oh my God, somebody has COVID, you know, any right. of that stuff, you know, Which because what, yeah. Tobias from ghost alluded to that, that there were bands that were doing that, that were claiming the COVID and it was actually because of low ticket sales. Right. I mean, for is all right. So a lot of people, the misnomer is a lot of these bands are bigger in Europe. Yeah. But a lot of these bands are bigger in the UK and Germany. Most of them don't touch the rest of Europe. They'll right. touch, you know, a country here and there because it's on their way. But Anthrax is definitely in 2022 is definitely built for a European festival. Mm-hmm. They're playing oh, yeah. 45 to 50 minutes max, which slots in nicely with these festivals. They don't have to take out, you know, a stage. They don't, you know, there's the logistics there is a lot easier for them. Chances are they're coming back next summer. So does it make a whole heck of a lot of sense for there to be low, low ticket sales, high gas prices? We're still here in Spain, which is one of the highest, um, you know, fuel costs in all of Europe, seven twenty five a gallon. Uh, (laughs) Does it, does it make sense to come back? A month later to play, you know, half of what you would have played because right. there, there isn't a demand right now because you were just here. And like you're saying, you know, the typical thing is to scope out X amount of tours ahead of time. You know, if depending on how big a band is, they may have a tour planned out a year, even more than a year ahead of time. So now you're forced to make up dates. And then you're, it's budding, you know, with what another previously planned tour, which hasn't gone off yet, but maybe, you know, what you lose in that, it, there isn't the same commitment. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of business behind the scenes stuff that I'm sure led them to their decision, but right. I'm, I'm hoping that 
by the time next summer rolls around, all of these bands have finally like gotten back to, to normal. The, the one thing that's been kind of strange to me and the Megadeth album being one that kind of proves it, it's taken two years, over two years to record that album. They started it in 2019 and yeah, even with all the Ellison stuff, how many bands took longer than usual to record albums during the pandemic and have, you guys have been raving about the new machine head album. Would mm-hmm. that album have been as good if the pandemic didn't happen? Yeah, probably not. I mean, they definitely had way more time to, to, to sit back and, and, you know, actually do, you know, a great album. Um, I just had Levi from Miss May I on the show and he talked about that. He, he said that they, they were really able to just sit down and, and do a really good album and do a lot of rewriting. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he said he went into the album kind of down because of the pandemic. And, and mm-hmm. so a lot of the, he had a lot of negativity going into the album and, uh, and, and when, you know, they recorded with Will Putney and Will's like, this is not what people listen to Miss May I for. They want to listen for, for, to be lifted up, not be brought down. So, yeah. so he, he actually, you know, thought about it, went back to the drawing board, took some of his original ideas, but kind of flipped them on their side and, and brought mm-hmm. it back. And, and he, you know, had the time to actually do that. Not just, not just tour, tour, tour you know, do an album really quick, get back out on the road. You know, now that everybody actually had time to just sit back and take a breath and, and release yeah. everything. And the one thing too, is you got a lot of bands that recorded early in the pandemic mm-hmm. that sat that sat on it for another year or so. Yeah. And finally getting it out now because things are opening back up and able to tour again. But then that's what goes back to logistically where, now all the tour buses are booked and you know, yeah. like my, like my friend Jeremy, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, just, just chatting with me, you know, he's a, he's a bus driver. He doesn't have anything to do with leasing, but people are contacting him, you know, trying to figure out if he knows where like a bus is stashed somewhere that, you know, like maybe he can help out a friend or something like that here and there. So, so yeah, so there's less venues, less buses, you know, more bands trying to tour yeah. and gas prices are through the roof. So it's, and people are still trying to figure out why, you know, t-shirts and everything else are, are, you know, $50 at the show. (laughs) I'm like, well, you know, go look at the BP and and see, you know, diesel gas here is, I think it's still in the $5 range. So, I mean, it's still, it's still not cheap, you know, and those things don't, you know, those buses don't, don't run on a, a, you know, they're not, you know, hybrids or electric. just Yeah. So that's, I don't know. I, I, I don't think bands will learn. That's, that's my thing. Uh, I think I've told so many bands that I think that because of the pandemic, again, they've written better music and sonically their albums have gotten better, but comparing dystopia to this new album, dystopia, four months, new album, two years. Yeah. So definitely time for rewrites and making sure that it sounded, you know, sonically great. Well, the one that. thing on the new album too is you can tell he took a lot of Dave took a lot of time adding little things like the, yeah. all the talking parts and skits yep. and and answering himself in the songs things like that like there's a lot going on just if you know that's it's probably going to be a great headphone listen I haven't listened on headphones yet listened to the car a few times but uh yeah it's definitely going to be a, a a headphone listen to hear all the little yep. things going on there because I mean this sonically just just you know like I said skits and sounds and sound effects and yeah it's 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 been a really fun listen so far 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I let you go, all right. Where should, where should people go to keep up with what you do? Uh, easiest place, uh, talk to me pod.com, or you can head over to the notfest.com. Um, but once you get to notfest.com, you got to go under series and tabs and all this other stuff. So, so, uh, talk to me pod.com straight, take you straight to the podcast. And then, uh, if you want to watch, uh, Chris and myself on the old YouTube, uh, make sure to go to the, uh, notfest official YouTube and they're all there and you can comment there. We're trying to steer everybody towards the comment section there because obviously my bosses are watching that. <laughs> and so more interaction there, you know, all these DMS and, 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 you know, uh, text messages and all that are great, but I, I'll see it. I'll, I'll still see it on the Notfest page too. So yeah, well, <laughs> come hang out with us for, for those that don't know that is contagious. When other people see you commenting, they'll, yeah. it's more likely that they do. So you guys moved it to YouTube as opposed to being on Twitch. Or you guys are on both. Uh, yeah, not doing Twitch anymore. Just, it's all you, it's all just the, the podcast and YouTube and, and, uh, the Instagram, the Instagram reels are great. Like they, they, yeah. uh, they've been, they've been pulling some funny stuff from that. And this week, uh, I, I texted Chris, I was like, look at you, Mr. All over not fest Instagram. Cause they, they pulled more of his, his talking about anthrax on that. Right. And, uh, he wrote me back. He's like, did you see Frank Bello liked it? And I was like, Ooh, Oh wow. <laughs> cool. You know, I was like, I was like, we always joke. I'm like superstar, you know, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, cause if he gets, you know, he'll get blabber mouth. I'll get blabber mouth. They'll say his full name. They'll say my full name. I'm like, look at us. We're like super famous now, but you know how, you know how much fun that is. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's always awesome. Uh, anyway, I thank you once again, coming on such short notice. Uh, I needed to have uh, some star power for episode 300. Uh, uh, hopefully, so hopefully whoever's after me will bring the star power. <laughs> In my mind, I got star power on the there show. So uh, Man, I, I, I do, I do thank you for, for, you know, commenting and, and with your with your long thoughts on things and stuff like that. Sure. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. Like I said, that, that, people are reaching out more and giving their opinions more and hearing, listening to my opinions and, and just really taking it all in. And I think it's been a nice natural progression from starting the podcast as mainly interviews to mm -hmm. understanding how to, to speak on mic, how to carry conversations and even just, you know, we didn't go full on just me and Chris right away. It was, you know, have him on the intro and the outro of the episodes for, for six months. Mm -hmm. And then finally just like cutting the ties and making it its own separate entity. Um, right. I think it's, it's been a very nice natural progression for the both of us. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun to hear you guys. And it's definitely one of my must listen to's uh, every week. It's always fun to hear you guys banter back and forth. So I recommend anyone that hasn't listened to it to do so. Nice. Thank you, Vic. So, uh, in any event, we will be wrapping up. Tonight's live show, again, this becomes episode 300 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I will stress the last episode of the Mars Attacks podcast. But um, <laughs> I, I did put together an extra special outro video for tonight. I did want to do like a montage and shit. And I was like, I just don't have the time to do this. <laughs> right. To have, you know, some of the great guests that I've had on over the years. I've had you on several times over the years. And, uh, but is what you know, it is. I, I did. I did something with you a long time ago about corn. 
and I, I don't think it ever came out. Like it was something you were doing about corns blind or something like might've been one of the first things I ever did with you. And I was like, I don't know if that ever came out. Yeah. There was, there was this little issue with, um, uh, Charlie Benante. There was another issue with, uh, publicists and labels say, we don't want them to talk about that album anymore. So oh, it yeah. kind of killed all that off. But, but, um, I have brought some of that stuff up on my Patreon show, uh, recently. So, uh, um, it, it, it may surface there. There's, there's been a, a dilemma back and forth with regards to comments about people that are no longer with us. Lemmy, Chris Cornell, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. where some of this stuff changes, but for historical, um, a historical look back because a lot of times you look at a documentary and you kind of don't care when it came out. You right. just see the story or whatever. So I'll just, I'll just say, um, I don't want to be vague about things, <laughs> but, um, my patrons know what's up. There we uh, go. Cause I, I've been talking about what's going on with them for, uh, uh some time now. um, there may be a little tournament involved there. There may not be. Uh, I don't know if you remember a little uh, podcasting tournament that happened in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, anyway, I put a special video together to close it. And it may shed some light on what is going on next. Nice. So uh, on that note... I will end the show, and I th- I thank everyone who was in the chat. We had uh, Rob Rowe, who I actually got to speak to on the phone this week. Had Chris Sinzak, had uh, Jose, had my brother Art, uh, had Bill Elam, had Anthony up in Ireland uh, for the first uh, hour, and Mr. Toomey for the second hour. So with that, I bid you guys farewell. It is see you later, not goodbye. Maybe I said too much there, but, uh, anyway, we'll, Oh, I almost did the intro video again. Uh, (laughs) on that note, we will see you and we are signing off from, uh, Mars decks. Thank you for listening to the Mars attacks podcast. This concludes our show. First and foremost, I want to say thank you, not only for listening to this episode, but for hanging around for 13 years. Even if you weren't here for 13 years, doesn't matter when you jumped on, so long as you're here. I just want to say thank you. This is the last episode of the Mars Attacks podcast. Episode 300 is the end, but episode 301 will be rebranded as the Signals from Mars podcast. We're going to bring everything under the same name. And this way, hopefully we stop with the when I try to reach out to people and they say, oh, are we going to talk about the movie? No, it has nothing to do with the movie. So, and also, I don't own that name. So there you go. So as of episode 301, it will be the Signals from Mars podcast signals from mars live stream signals from mars.com and actually more or less everything 
is switching over to Signals from Mars. The Patreon is now patreon.com forward slash Signals from Mars. Instagram, Signals from Mars official. Uh, Facebook is Signals from Mars. YouTube, Signals from Mars. Twitch is Signals from Mars official. But anyway, just go to signalsfrommars.com and you'll find links to all this cool stuff. And hopefully you guys continue to hang out. So I don't want you to bail. I don't want you to cancel your RSS or anything like that because it will be the same RSS feed, just different name to the show. That's all. I do apologize to Josh Toomey because yes, technically it is the final Mars Attacks episode. But as you know, well, the behind the scenes info here, my patrons know this. And by the way, I will be continuing to do Patreon until the show comes back. Signals from Mars will come back on October 7th. Okay. As I was ending this, if you watch the video at the end, I say a bunch of different things. And it says that I'm going to be doing you know, the Signals from Mars podcast. And I've had people reach out that have watched it. Are you full of shit? Are you really, you know, what are you, what are you really doing? You know, is it true or is, you know, so is it true? What's true is that it's rebranded. It's another podcast. But so when the live stream finishes, you can hang out afterwards. I do this with my patrons frequently. We hang out afterwards and we bullshit for a little bit. So if there's a guest who hangs out after, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll chit chat with them, but I'm seeing Josh Toomey's reaction as the ending. Cause he's reading it to see, you know, because I'm saying, you know, at the end, I'll, you know, give you guys a clue as to what's going on. I see his expression <laughs> and it's almost like I miss date night for this shit. <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Josh Toomey. Thank you to Anthony Mackey for starting the show off. And thank you guys for 13 great years. As much as I bitch, as much as I complain, I still love the fact that people take time out of their busy schedule to listen to the show. I always say this, there's a million other shows you can listen to, but you choose to listen to mine instead. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And we'll see you again in October. See ya.